0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. The book of Romans chapter 12 describes seven ministry gifts that operate in a believer's life according to their faith. One of the seven gifts doesn't really sound spiritual, but it definitely impacts our spiritual life, and that is leading with diligence. In today's message, we look at the spiritual principles behind kingdom leadership as we continue our message titled The Journey. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the podcast. Tell your neighbor, lead with diligence. Diligence. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're talking about leading with diligence. If you're not aware, we are in the middle of a series that's going to go as long as God tells me to stay on the same subject. And that subject has no, no particular, I don't have like six messages or 12 messages or 50. I don't have a number. I'm just going to keep going until God says stop. Amen? So if I get part 75, you say, he's still talking about that? Yes, I'm still talking about that. Amen. I am talking about the journey. And we have all been set on a journey in our lives. That journey is the journey that God has called each of us to walk in and to operate in. And that journey doesn't stop until we leave this earth. Amen. Amen. So the journey you started when you came into the world had a sudden turn in it. And that turn was the day that you experienced Jesus. So you might have been on the course of your life. You might have had your own thoughts about how you were going to live or what you are going to do with your life. You might have been like me. I was going to be an architect. I was going to build buildings because I'm in love with architect. I love architecture. I, I can stand around. I can, if you'd set me in any city, I will, I will navigate to where I can see buildings because I just love it. I love the different styles of buildings. I love seeing heights of buildings. I love getting on a skyscraper, riding to the top, and leaning on the window. I love that kind of stuff. Every major city I've been to in my life, I found the biggest skyscraper there and I got to go to the observation deck, go to the top. Because I love architecture. I love buildings. And I was going to be an architect. And then God said, no, you're not. And I went to college and I had my first semester. I had straight A's in college. I said, yeah, this is it. And then all of a sudden God said, No, this ain't gonna be it. He changed my pathway that day. And I went, and for some reason, I went to the other side of the campus. And I was never the same. And it wasn't good. (laughs) I went to the other side of the campus and found out they was having a party over there. I've been studying hard all this time. I went to the other side of the campus and they're having all this fun. I never went back (laughs) to the other side. Dropped out of college, went to the Marine Corps, went to the Marine Corps, and I said, I'm going to be a Marine now. As a matter of fact, when I was signing up, I signed up because I want to go in, I want to navigate to the architecture program. He said, well, this is what you do. You start as a surveyor, and if you start as a surveyor, then you'll be able to go into architecture. Except when I got out of boot camp and I went to go to surveying school, when I'm at the school, they said, we don't have no more space for you. We're sending you to another place. And they put me on an airplane, flew me to Meridian, Mississippi. (laughs) Why is there a naval air station inland in Mississippi? (laughs) And I went to training there. It had nothing to do with surveying. And then I got sent to Bogue Field, North Carolina. And there ain't no architecture being done <laughs> in Boguefield, North Carolina. A base where there's 39 people. <laughs> yes, a helicopter depot. Repair station. So there I am. And appendicitis hits the guy who is doing payroll. And they say, Moton, you good with numbers, you go do the payroll. So I did payroll. And I kept doing payroll. (laughs) And that's all I ever did the rest of my time in the Marine Corps. Was personnel. Processing. Papers. So I had a choice of what I was going to do but God said no. God turned my direction. He turned my pathway and even then i thought okay well that means this but that's not what it meant either and so i went along a pathway and i'm trying to go and what i don't realize is that every step i'm taking god is ordering my steps because at this time i'm still an atheist i don't believe that there is a god i don't want to talk to nobody about religion i don't want to go to nobody's church i don't have nothing to do with that And so I'm living my life, doing my thing. And whatever I can imagine, that's what I want to try to do. And so that's, I'm just living, living, living. And all the while, I don't realize that God is ordering my steps. I think I'm making decisions. I think I'm making choices. This is what I'm trying to do. And God said, no, we're just collecting stuff along the road. because I have a plan that I'm going to work out in your life. And things I thought I was making decisions about, this person's not going to be in my life, and this person's going to be in my life, and I'm doing... All the way, God is using my bad decisions to get me somewhere he was trying to take me. So in 3 John chapter, excuse me, 3 John verse 2 John says to the church, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. In other words, he said, this is what God's will is for your life. God's will is that you prosper. And you believe that you're making decisions, but the word prosper means to be equipped for a what? journey. A journey. To be prosper means that you're equipped for the journey that you're on. And sometimes you believe that you are already equipped for what journey you're going on, but God says, no, you don't have what I want you to have. Amen. When, when I first met Tammy, uh, we were going somewhere, and uh, I lifted my trunk, and she said, why you got a jacket in your trunk? I said, because you always got to have a jacket. So you don't need no jacket because she, she grew up in Vallejo. You don't, you don't need no jacket in Vallejo. But I grew up 30 miles down the road in Oakland. You better have a jacket in, the, in your trunk because no matter where you go, when the sun goes down, you're going to put on a jacket. <laughs> so our different experiences have us taking something as simple as whether you carry a coat or not carry a coat, a difference. But my journey says, have a coat. Her journey says, you don't need no coat. See, your life has equipped you with certain things. And God has taken you certain ways so that you have a mentality to do certain things. And then when you give your life to Christ, he takes that mentality and he takes... Shapes that mentality and creates that mentality so that it becomes a holy version of what you used to have. Amen. Somebody say amen, please. Amen. Amen. God takes your experiences and the things you encounter in your life and he molds them. And when you give your life to Christ, he shapes those things so that you have a mindset and a series of experiences that make a difference in your Christian walk as you walk things out. And as you begin renewing your mind, your lenses concerning what you experience become different so that now you start to see things as God has brought you through the way God wants you to see it. See, I used to see my differences with my father as me and my father having a curse and, a fa- and, a, and this and that and me and my father having this struggle. But my life now shows me that what that actually was. Was me and my father both trying to find truth and trying to avoid God? (laughs) Because we was both of the same mindset. So we two people trying to find the truth, but trying to avoid God in the in the finding. Amen. Because I'm an atheist, and he just is a black nationalist. Amen. (laughs) Uh, Hallelujah. That was one to see. Amen. But God wants us to prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. Your soul is part of your triune being. Your triune being is your physical body. Everybody wave your hands if you got a physical body. Amen. You got a physical body, right? And you have a mind. Your mind is where your soul is, right? So just think about something. Just think anything you want to think about. You thought about something? That means you got a mind. Amen. You have a soul, a mind, a soul. It is made up of your conscious thoughts, your imagination, your will, your memories, and your feelings, emotions. That's what makes up your soul. But then there's a third part of you that is called your spirit. The spirit is a part of you that was given to you by God and is dormant in your soul until you receive Christ. So there are people who operate in what we call spiritual that is really soulish. Because the spirit isn't awakened until one comes to Christ. You have a spirit, but it is not in an active state until you experience Christ. Then your spirit becomes alive, and you begin to walk with God in spirit and in truth, which is what a worshiper is. A worshiper is the person who begins to tap into that spirit, to operate in that spirit, and operate in the truth that God ordains and shows us in his word, and you become a living spirit with a soul living inside of a physical body. Amen. Now, there are people who don't know God who are having experiences and they're referencing them as spiritual, but they're not spiritual. They're soulish. Amen. There are things that are called familiar spirits. They're not the spirits of people. They are influences that can become familiar with who you are. They observe, they see your patterns, they they observe how you operate. And those familiar spirits sometimes will, will speak through people to tell you stuff to get you off track of the true spirits. So like familiar spirits will say things like, you know what just happened to you? That was your mother. Well, my mother's dead. My mother's not in this realm right now. So why somebody said, that was your mother? it's not my mother because my mother's not in a position to give me instructions right now my mother has given me all the instructions she's going to give me amen amen Amen. Amen. she's not coming back from the other side to give me information because if that was the case why would god give us a holy spirit to give us instructions if our parents was going to come give us instructions who are not with us anymore So understand there are, quote, familiar spirits that present them things as things familiar to you. And, and you can listen to those or you can listen to Scripture, which tells you how to have the journey that you're called to have. And I knew someone who was listening to the, one of those things, li- listening to one of those things. Yeah, my mother keeps telling me this. My mother keeps telling me this. I said, why do your mother keep telling you that? There's a lot of things out here. Why is your mother, why is your mother harping on this one thing? Because I was trying to get them to look at this from, from a, a reasonable point of view. But because it's mama, I can't say no. Amen. Amen. If I wanted to trick you, and if I could imitate your mother, I would call you up and say, Baby, mama says send $100 to, to Pastor Dairy. <laughs> mama, is that you? Yeah, baby, it's me. <laughs> 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 if I want to trick you to do something I will use something that's familiar to you a pastor used to say this he said if a devil walked in the room with a, with a red suit, a tail, a pitchfork and said listen y'all I want y'all to do this y'all would say Phew, you the devil I ain't doing that <laughs> but if he walked in dressed like your mama <laughs> amen <laughs> my intercessor said amen <laughs> why am i sharing with you and what does this have to do with leadership turn to romans chapter 12 once you to understand something about leading in the conversation we've been having about spiritual gifts paul says to the church at corinth which we're not turning to we're turning to romans chapter 12 but in first corinthians chapter 12 paul says brethren i don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts and then he tells them he said you know that you used to be carried away with these dumb idols however you were led he said, there used to be things in your life that would catch your attention and they became idols to you that you would you would listen to those things and not heed unto the truth. And I'm sharing you with that with you, but because as you start to take your responsibilities as leaders, you need to understand that there are all lots of things that will come and try to get you into the area of deception. As soon as you say you're going to lead, as soon as you step forward to lead, there will be something that will come to you to try to get you off track and into some things that are not where God's called you to be. So that's what happened to Adam and Eve. They were leaders in the garden. They were responsible. And I'm going to define leadership for you in a moment. But they were responsible for the garden. And so they have something with everything that they've been given. They have something that says, has, not, has God really said, don't do this? So if you have everything you own, everything outside, here comes the temptation. What's it tempting you with? It's tempting you with, God knows that the day that you eat this fruit, you will become like him. He didn't tempt them on the outside. He tempted them with something on the inside. He tempted them with a voice that was a comfortable voice. A voice that says, man, you know what? God's really trying to hold you back. He presented himself as someone who they could trust, but they couldn't trust him. Amen? Amen. Let's go to uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 6. It says, having then differing gifts according to the grace that's given to us, let us what? Use the gifts you have. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. Use it. What is it? Use the gift in your ministering, right? He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now, of these seven things... Six of them sound spiritual, one of them does not. Amen. Doesn't, doesn't prophesying sound spiritual? What were y'all doing? Oh, we went to, we went to this, this church, service. we were prophesying. Ooh, that sounds spiritual. We're giving an offering. Okay, that's spiritual. We were exhorting one another. Oh, okay, that's, that's spiritual. Leadership doesn't sound spiritual. Leading with diligence does not sound like it's spiritual, yet here it is set in the middle of a list of spiritual gifts that we're supposed to operate according to our faith. Look again at verse uh, 7. Verse 7 says, excuse me, verse 6, having then differing gifts according to what? Grace. What is grace? It is God's unmerited favor on your life that he's placed on you for his purpose. Amen? So, having gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us. In other words, the differences in our gifts are based on the differences in grace which God has put on us. Everybody has a different level of grace on them. Everybody has different things put on them, and you have a different gift because of that grace, Let us use them, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. So these ministry gifts, which are spiritual gifts, they're given to us to use according to your level of faith. Not according to your giftedness. Because they got there by grace. And grace you don't earn or deserve. Grace is not what you create. Grace is not what you make. They're here by faith which means you're not born to lead how many of you ever said man he was a born leader you ever heard people say that oh man they were a born leader no they weren't they were born just like you leadership comes according to your faith In other words, there's some people who believe they can lead and so they'll jump out in front and try to lead because the word lead means to stand before. In other words, a leader is someone who stands before others. You can say it like this. A leadership is a person who's willing to take responsibility. Amen. How do you become a leader? Take responsibility. I had this guy that was working for me, and he said, man, I, I want to I I develop leadership skills. I said, okay. And so a little while later, I said, okay, we'll, we'll work out how that's going to work. So a little while later, he comes to me and he said, man, I'm having a problem with this person over here. I said, okay, tell me what you're going to do. Well, I really need you to set up a meeting and have a, a mediate a meeting between us. I said, wait a minute, brother. <laughs> you told me you wanted to be a leader. <laughs> and you can't get along with another person in the group. He said, well, well, no, if you you just do the meeting, then, you know, I said, no, 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 leadership means responsibility. So I want you to take responsibility to fix this. He wouldn't fix it. So I had the meeting. Had the meeting. We came in. He's one level. The person he can't get along is, is a level below him in terms of our organizational structure. We're having a meeting. The person below him listens to what he says, and they say these words. You know what? I misunderstood something, so I apologize to you for what I didn't understand. And perhaps we can do dot, dot, dot. Okay, good. Now you tell me what you're going to say. I just feel like I'm misunderstood, blah, 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 blah. Something. partner, don't miss the opportunity. The person you can't get along with just apologize to you, and you're so worried about how you feel, you can't even see that they have apologized to you. You won't let it go. You're still talking about this, and you want me to then give you authority over the person who's doing the right thing. No. (laughs) No. The answer would be no. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Leadership Is the ability to take responsibility. Everybody can take responsibility for something. Amen. Amen. When I was a young man, my wife and I, we got married, found out we expecting a baby, praise the Lord. I said, I got this covered. I had it covered until I walked in the room. We went to the hospital, right? The doctor said, we will keep her overnight, you go home, and when you come back, we're going we're gonna to get this thing going, right? So I come back to the hospital, and I walk in the room, and I saw the black circle. <laughs> I saw the black circle. It was a circle around, I could see here, and I could just see through this black circle, and the circle was getting smaller and smaller. I said, oh, no, I'm about to faint. (laughs) I walked in that room, and all the machines was going, everything, all that pressure in the room. I said, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) And I said, no, I can't. I can't faint. Not now. No, no. I can't faint now. No, this can't happen right now, because this story is going to be told forever. So, oh, no, no, no. And that that, that circle was getting smaller. I said, oh, no, 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 no. I fought it off. I fought it off. <laughs> I survived, didn't I, baby? I made it. <laughs> but this is what happened to me. When the circle was coming, a scripture popped up in my heart. It said, if you faint in the day of adversity, it's because your strength is small. I said, oh, I can't go down. No, can't go down. No. <laughs> but the word came up in my heart because that's what I had been meditating on. And so the word came up in me and it strengthened me and I got myself together because why? I've got to lead. I can't faint right now. My wife's having a baby. I can't faint right now. If I faint right now, I've yielded my authority. And if I faint right now, then what I'm saying is, I'm saying that this baby coming into the world is bigger than me. Amen. When you get into difficult times is when you need to call on the name of the Lord because you need to be strong and lead and take responsibility in the moment. In the moment is when you have to take responsibility. You can't yield the responsibility because if you yield the responsibility, then whatever you hand responsibility to will own you. Amen. (laughs) Not trying to be owned. Amen. I already been bought with a price. I don't need to be owned again. Amen. Listen, lead. Leadership means taking responsibility. John Maxwell puts it like this. Leadership is influence. So first of all, it's taking responsibility. The second thing is leadership is influence. Which gets into the issue of types of leadership. So there are leadership that is referred to as positional leadership. In other words, you have a title or position and therefore you are a leader because of your title or your position. Manager would be one of those things. I'm a manager, therefore I am, have a certain share of responsibility and therefore I am taking responsibility and I'm taking influence, giving influence. Amen. So when a manager decides to lean on their title of manager to lead, then what usually looks like is Do it because I said so. Amen. And so when I got to do it because you said so, I might be excited about doing it at first. But sooner or later, I'm not so excited about doing things because you said so. Because I've been doing this job now for three years and I know. And you ain't been doing this in the three years I've been here. So why am I listening to you? <laughs> Amen. So if your leadership was based on that, you might be running out of leadership. And if that individual starts recognizing that they're an influencer, then what they will do is they will start to influence other people not to listen to you either. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Why is this important in the church? Because most of us in church didn't learn leadership in church. Most of us in church learned leadership somewhere else. Amen. And so my, my method of, of leadership may not be kingdom leadership. I might be trying to lead by cubby. I might be trying to lead by some other thing I learned somewhere. Amen. That doesn't necessarily mean it's God's direction for leadership. And I need to know God's direction since God had the nerve to put Leadership, leading with diligence as a spiritual gift, a ministry gift in the book of Romans. Amen. So if I learned my, me and Tracy were having a conversation one day. We talking, well, where did we learn leadership? We, said, we learned playing sports, learned in the Marine Corps. Learned, you know, we got, that's where we learned leadership. Yeah. But guess what? I can't treat y'all like my instructor treated me in boot camp. It ain't gonna work. That's not gonna work in here. <laughs> Tracy, will that work in here? It, it ain't gonna work. work. <laughs> T- what T say, no, it ain't gonna work. So I can't use that model. <laughs> or maybe I'll use the model that my football coach used. <laughs> I'll use the Stanley Tavares School of Leadership. (laughs) Or maybe I'll use what I learned playing basketball. Maybe that'll work. Next next week, I'll bring my whistle. (laughs) And we'll see how y'all respond. (laughs) Amen. We'll go go, go do some laps around the building and get you all set up for Sunday, right? (laughs) There are many places you can learn leadership, but if we're going to lead according to this model, we got to tie and match our leadership with grace and faith. See, you have gifts based on you based on the grace that's given to you. And you're supposed to use your gifts by your faith. So that means we have to do what we do with everything we do by faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So I want to give you some Word of God regarding leadership. And I can't really give it to you today, so I'm going to give it to you next week. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures concerning the other half of this is not just leading, it's leading with diligence. Amen. Amen. Leading with diligence. Diligence. I remember I was in the seventh grade and I came home from school and it was about, uh, about 5.30 because my mom had just got home and then there was a knock on the door. I'm thinking, okay, I got it. Ran to the door, opened the door as the principal of the school. <laughs> so the principal of the school has visited my house come to my house at 530 when my mother is home <laughs> I think I think he was parked outside and waited till she got there and then came in behind her what I think to this day Ludwig Janzo was his name he <laughs> sound like a bad principal huh <laughs> Yes. So Mr. Janzo came to the door. And I opened the door and my face went blank. <laughs> oh, no. What is Mr. Janzo doing in my house? He said, Dairy, I came to see your mom and your dad. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I started to say? <laughs> hey, they hey, here. <laughs> But before I could even move, my mom, "Who is it?" (laughs) Man, she beat me to the punch. Uh, Anyway, Mister Janzo came and sat down in the chair, and he said, "You know, Mrs. Alexander, Derry's a really smart young man." He said, "But he goof's off too much at school." And she keeps looking at me because she's, you know, foot tapping. I'm like, mom, no it, she, no, it ain't me. It's not me. <laughs> I'm spitting names, I'll call the other people's names. It was so so <laughs> But he goes on, keeps talking. And this is what he said. He said, Dairy is inconsistent in his efforts. Two days he does his homework. Three days he don't bring it. <laughs> Next week, one day he brings it. Four days, he don't bring it. The next week, he brought it every week. We say, oh, man, okay, great, he's over the hump. And next week, he didn't bring none at all. <laughs> His patty, we, we can't even pick up the pattern on how he ain't doing stuff. <laughs> Whenever he learns to be consistent, Dot, 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 dot. So what does that mean? It means this word is true. Because if you lead or you do anything, you have to do it with diligence. It's not enough to have it. It's the diligence that you put to it. Amen. And, And what God has called us to do is he wants us to lead or take responsibility with a spirit of diligence that we become diligent at those things that God asks us to do or that we take responsibility for. So there's a young man by the name of David. How many of you heard of of a guy in the Bible named David? Amen. David starts out his, his, his story with us, not as king, not as a priest, not as a prophet. He starts it out as the guy who's not in the room when a prophet comes to visit his house and appoints somebody to be king over Israel. He comes to his father's Jesse's house. He says, Jesse, call all of your sons in here because God has picked one of your sons to be king. And Jesse calls all the sons except David. Brings them all in, lines them up, seven guys standing there, and the prophet is going down the line looking at him. He says, okay, this one's nice looking. Okay, this one's big and strong. Okay, this one's... A... He said, wait a minute. Have you got... It, it, There's got to be somebody else. Because ain't none of these turkeys the right one. <laughs> none of these dudes are the right ones. There must be another one. Because God's not talking to me about none of them. They have human attributes. But there's something missing from all of them. He said, oh, well, I got one more, but you know. And he's out keep taking care of the sheep. He said, well, go get him. So they begrudgingly go get him, bring him in, and as soon as the prophecy says, this is the one God called. And David's path to kingship began. Not then, but when he was out. There's some theologians who speculate that the reason Jesse didn't call David in is because he was maybe an illegitimate child. He's mine, but he ain't mine. So he calls him in, he picks him, but God has already chosen him. Because his journey didn't start, with somebody acknowledged him. His journey started way back somewhere else. And so in this course, he gets anointed as king, but nothing changes. Because the prophet goes away and they send him right back out with the sheep. <laughs> we, we know what the prophet said, but you're going back out here to do what you was doing. Amen. David's path to leadership began in private. When nobody was there and nobody was looking. When he was being diligent in the care of the sheep. Fast forward and you see him standing before Goliath. And he's standing there talking to Goliath. And Goliath says, what are you doing here? They sent out a little boy to me. He said, you know what? I've been keeping my father's sheep. And when a bear came out there, I grabbed his beard and I killed him. And when a lion came out, I killed him too. And you are going to be like them. Because I've already established a pattern of diligence working when nobody's looking that now when I'm standing in front of everybody, I'm not hesitating to take you out. Amen. Amen. In sports, they call it practice. We're talking about practice, man. (laughs) Practice, man. Not the game. Practice, yeah, practice. In other words, what you do when nobody's looking and establishing a pattern of diligence when nobody's looking makes you prosperous when you step out and everybody sees you. Amen. (laughs) Amen. So we're supposed to lead that way. In other words, we don't lead when we get in charge. You start leading when nobody knows you're leading. Amen. Amen. You start leading when you walk when you walk in that hospital room and your baby's being born, you better be leading already. Amen. <laughs> Amen. When you, when, when you get into a new job, and they say you're in charge, if you haven't already been practicing the things, the keys of leadership, then when you get in charge, you ain't going to know what to do. And you're going to have to lean on the fact that you're the manager. <laughs> Amen. Because positional leadership isn't the only kind of leadership. Amen. True leadership is to lead with diligence the way God has called us to lead. Amen. Go to the book of uh Proverbs. Proverbs chapter ten. Yeah, let's go there. We're gonna hit this quick. I'm gonna load you up on getting you excited about being diligent. Amen. And then I'll tell you how to lead. Amen. Proverbs chapter ten. I want you to lean over to your neighbor and say, hey, you don't need all that money in your pocket, so give it to me. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 10. <laughs> Y'all think that was random, huh? No, that ain't ain't random, amen. Listen, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. He who deals with a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes one rich. Amen. Sometimes people are dealing with a slack hand, and you might as well lean over and say, since you ain't using what you got, give it to me. Amen. 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 Lean over and tell them, say, you're trying to get rich, just be diligent. Come on. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Amen. Y'all think that was a fluke, huh? Proverbs 12, go over there. Proverbs 12, we're going to start at verse 24. When you get there, say, amen. Amen. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24 says, the hand of the diligent will rule. But the slowful will be put to what? Ooh. Man, I read this passage and every time I wake up and say, man, I don't want to go to work. I'm saying, man. (laughs) And the word got me again. (laughs) amen look at verse 25 anxiety in the heart of man causes what depression anxiety in the heart will cause you depression but remember what it's following it's following the hand of the diligent rule but the slowful will be put to forced labor forced labor brings you anxiety and anxiety is going to bring on depression verse 26 the righteous should choose his friends carefully. Yeah. Amen. I went to work for this place. I was young and innocent. <laughs> so I went to work for this place in my young, innocent mind. I went in and all the people working in there, they already had made the they had already created the bad narrative about the job. And they, and they said, man. No, you're here, but man, nobody ever gets promoted out of this. This is the end of your career right here. I'm thinking, man. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I just got here, man. (laughs) I was at the end already. I (laughs) came here with a hopeful expectation. They said, well, nobody ever gets promoted. You should have went to another department because nobody ever gets promoted out here. But while I was working there, I got saved. I gave my life to Jesus while I was working there. And while I was working there, I opened my Bible up and Colossians chapter 2 popped up at me. And I read the passage that said, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it as unto the Lord. And I said, okay, I'm going to do it as unto the Lord. So I went into that dead-end job and I said, "Uh, Lord, I'm dedicating this to you today. I'm doing what I do as unto you. We're working in the mail room, right? So I got my little cart that night. I was, whew, whew, I'm moving, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm delivering mail, I'm, got, I'm, I'm getting mail, how you doing, I'm doing good. I'm, 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 I'm moving all over the building. I delivered all my stuff and came back, it took me 35 minutes to do what it had been taking me four hours to do. <laughs> so I got back, and I, I, my supervisor said, what you doing back? I said, I'm done already. I said, how you done already? I said, I'm just done. I said, can you mind if I sit here and read? He said, No, man, go ahead. And he went back to he, he, he pulled up his computer. And he was, this is old school computer, right? Old school. He said when it sat and started clicking. And then I saw him lean over and went to sleep. <laughs> 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 Which was the normal thing, because I'm back when I ain't supposed to be back. He's supposed to be in there by himself. So that's what he does. So the next <laughs> so the next day <laughs> So everybody else gets back, we do, we come for the day. Next day, I read the scripture again. I said, okay, 35 minutes. Did my route, come back. He said, man, you back again? I said, yeah, I'm back. Mind if I read? He said, go ahead. He went back on. (laughs) (laughs) He went back to sleep. Everybody else is still out doing their routes. Then his boss walked in one day, and I'm already back. Why is Derry back? No, he's done already. Well, give him something else to do. He said, oh, well, we ain't got no. he said "Well, show him how to use a computer." So I sat down. He's te- now he's teaching me how to use a computer. So now I'm in his business. <laughs> <laughs> done. You ain't supposed to be done yet, man. So next thing you know, I got enemies in there because everybody's mad at me. Because I'm working too fast. I'm working too hard. I'm doing too much. Right? But I can't go backwards. God gave me a revelation. And I said, man, I'm supposed to be fruitful. I can't go backwards now. And so now I'm faced with the dilemma of do I listen to the voice of people or do I stand up and take responsibility for what has been revealed to me? So I took responsibility. Three months later, I'm promoted. And the rest of them say, wait a minute, nobody ever gets promoted out of here. But the diligent hand shall rule. (laughs) Amen. I worked a diligent hand and I moved into a leadership role because of the diligence. And man, when, the, when I learned that being a young pup, I was like, man, I could use this all the time. And so I stopped. Uh, that's, the, so wherever I go to work, that's what I do. I show up, I observe. Okay. And then I go diligent. Then I go diligent on it. That's what I do. And what God has done is every time I've done that, God has blessed me and showed me how to move forward. Amen. Amen. Go to Proverbs. Let's finish this. Um, Choose your friends carefully. Why I say that? Because I could have chosen to do what those others in the room said to do. I could have made the choice to befriend them and dull myself down. Amen. Listen, Christians, don't be haters. Don't be haters. What do I mean by that? Don't be haters because if somebody begins to excel don't try to get them not to excel. Amen. I'm not saying that happens here, but I'm just saying Christians need to all understand that because I've worked with Christians who had bad habits. Amen. And they want me to get bad habits. No, I'm not getting bad habits with you. No, I didn't get saved to get bad habits. Come on, man. I had bad habits before I got saved. <laughs> Why well, I'm gonna get bad? Why well, i gonna get? Give my life to Jesus and get bad habits. Amen. (laughs) All right, verse 28. No, excuse me. For the way of the wicked leads them astray. Verse 27. The slowful man does not roast what he took in hunting. But diligence is a man's precious possession. In other words, sometimes we get productive and then we won't even use what we have created our own selves. Amen. Amen. How many want to be diligent? Amen. Amen. Go to Pro, uh, Let's go to go, Proverbs thirteen. We're going to close, and I got two more passages. I'm going to show you. Go real quick. Proverbs thirteen four. Proverbs thirteen four says, "The soul of a sluggard desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich." Wow. The soul of a lazy man man has desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Amen. Proverbs 21 and 5. Y'all see a pattern yet? Proverbs 21 and 5. Actually, I'm going to read you 1 through 5, and I want you to listen, listen close. You stay at 5 because it's going to blow up when you get there, when, when I get there. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. A haughty tongue, a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked are sin. And then verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty, surely to poverty. Amen. Listen, when the word is telling us to lead with diligence, When those who were Jews heard that, when they heard, lead with diligence. When they heard that, their minds went back to the book of Proverbs when they heard about all oh, this diligence, what diligence does. So what that means is, to them who heard that, they heard, if you lead with diligence, there should be prosperity that comes out of your leadership. Amen. Amen. There should be a level of prosperity that comes from your leadership. I want you to tell your neighbor, I have a gift that is expanding by my faith. I have a gift to lead. I can lead whatever Is under my care. care. Whatever. Whatever. Is in my responsibility. responsibility. I have the power. power To lead. lead. And when I lead. I I said when I I lead. I. I Am going. going To lead. lead With with diligence. And when I lead. lead, With diligence. I expect. expect To see. Things prosper, these prosper. because, because the, diligent the diligent hand shall be, shall be made, made rich. rich. And these, hands, and these hands, are hands are diligent hands. And because they're diligent, because they're diligent they, will they will lead surely, surely to, plenty. to plenty in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Now, we're going to pray in a second, and I want, to, I want to lock this down, because we're going to talk about what it means to lead next week, but I want you to understand this. Every word, everybody who's a, who's a member, a partner here, you have in your binders, your new member binders, something called the cycle of spiritual maturity, and that cycle of spiritual maturity says this. It says that there's knowledge that is out here. Knowledge is everywhere information. This is, we, we've, we've moved in and through the information age. It's information everywhere. But information means nothing until it becomes revelation to you. When information becomes revelation, it means it becomes personal and you understand, man, this applies to me and I am now going to apply it, which is the third thing. I'm going to apply this revelation to my life. And that revelation, when applied, it will Bring manifestation of some form. Amen. And the manifestation will be according to your faith. In other words, how diligent you become in exercising whatever that word says will manifest and show you it will be revealed, man, that this is it. And when it's revealed, it becomes a testimony. Then you're able to tell other people, this is how I got there. The reason I've been able to change careers change different things and never be worried about it is because everywhere I go I know I'm going to prosper and I don't and I don't have a I don't have a bad attitude about it I just have a confidence that the word works and if I put this word to work this word is going to bless me it's going to bless others around me I'm going to be a blessing every time I go somewhere no matter where I go no matter where you throw me you throw me in the ocean I'm going to teach all the fish something we all going to be blessed amen amen if you throw me on the mountain, the ram's going to come out and say, whoa, 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 don't ram me. I got something to teach you. I'm going to teach them something, and then we're all going to use them horns, and we're going to get something done up here. Amen. Amen. I don't care where you throw me. I'm going to be blessed. Amen. Not because I'm smart, but because the Word works. <laughs> the Word works. works. And when you work the Word, the Word will work. Amen. Amen. When you take the word, you put the word in action, the word's going to work. It's going to work. God already spoke it. It's going to work. Amen. We just have to have confidence in the word, confidence that it's going to be due. And if we put diligence with our application of the word, that we're going to see the blessing come out of that. Amen. Amen. If I'm not in charge, I'm going to become a trusted advisor. Amen. Amen. I had a boss. She was the hatchet person for the whole organization. If she knocked on people's door, they knew they was getting fired. She had a bad reputation. I had three predecessors that were there six months total before I got there. The three people before me that she hired went in and out the door in six months. But when they hired me, she couldn't get rid of me. Because you ain't got nothing to get rid of me for. My first meeting where she said, I just know this. Whatever you said you can do, you better be able to do. I said, I just know this. I can do it and I'm going to make you look good. <laughs> Amen. People would tell me, you can work for her? I said, I can work for anybody. I don't care. <laughs> you ain't got nothing God can't handle. Amen. Yeah. I don't care who you are. <laughs> she didn't want to hear the gospel? That's okay. You don't want to. You don't have to hear it. You're going to watch it though. <laughs> You don't have to listen to it. You just observe it. You're going to see it work. You're going to see it work. <laughs> Amen. You don't have to listen to me. Just watch me. That's all. Amen. And it worked. One day I was minding my own business. And the, what do I call them? The, the leader of the whole organization calls me and says, drop what you're doing. I said, I'm doing interviews. He said, I don't care. I said, no, I'm interviewing people. He said, I don't care. You come to my office right now. Called me in his office and gave me a promotion. He said, they can take take care of that. I got something for you to do. Truth. (laughs) Amen. Because what, you know what the word says? You see a man who's diligent at his work? He will not remain nameless. He shall be brought before great people. That's the word of God. Amen. Amen. Somewhere, somebody, somebody's at church listening and worried about sin when you should be worried about how to get diligent before the Lord and be blessed in the Lord. Amen. Why would I want to do something stupid in sin when I know how good God is blessing me? Amen. So why am I going to waste my time preaching to y'all about sin? If you want to sin and stay in that, fine, that's up to you. I'm trying to tell you if you listen to God... You get your eyes on the Lord and get your eyes off all the crazy stuff going around here. You get your eyes on the Lord. God will bring you up out of there and you won't even have to worry about sin. Because sin shall have no dominion over you. Amen. Oh, Lord. I got to stop. I got to stop. Amen. All right. Quicken now. Praise God and thank you for listening to today's message, which is part 13 of our series titled The Journey. A message titled Leading with Diligence. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. On our site, you're going to find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and exciting things going on here at Abundant Life Worship Center. And once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless. We look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. And until then, please remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.